really excited to uh, be continuing uh, this series called The Church We Can Be and um, a little bit of a recap on, uh, on last week. We talked about uh, the unity uh, that came uh, in the church as we commit ourselves to the New Testament pattern for what it means to be a community of followers. And it was really interesting because the, the message is quite, um, was quite confrontational in some way in terms of you know, what, what required of us when it came to unity. And it really, you know, there were seven things that it talked about wanting us to express as a body. The point was that, you know, as we uh, acted out and lived out as a New Testament community, that the, one of the outcomes of that would be a unity as a body that in our relationships with each other, we would adopt a posture that allowed us to be unified. And uh, we finished off with a strategy, accept, cover, defend. I can't for the life of me remember the last word at the moment. So, uh, sorry? Forgive. Forgive. Carol, thank you for taking notes and listening to my sermon. There's at least one of you. God bless you. That is wonderful. And uh, you're here because I didn't have a chance to look it up. But Accept, cover, defend, forgive. So in, in just a few words, firstly that we accept each other as being different, that uh, we cover each other, we, we don't expose each other's weaknesses but we cover each other in love, that we defend each other when one of ourselves is being attacked and then that we forgive each other when things inevitably do come up where we, we hurt each other. It's just being a person, it's being a human being. So... The New Testament pattern expressed itself in that way. But today I'm going to talk about another aspect of that unity which is revolving around the gifts that we have as a church community. And I remember one of the great exciting things uh, as I first started attending the Christian Family Centre at Seton in 1987 and sat under the teaching of Pastor Bill when he started to talk about the idea that I had been given a gift to use for service in the community. And I remember as it was unfolded to me, the idea that something that I was good at or gifted to do had been given to me by God in order to offer back to the church community was two things. It was firstly quite revolutionary. I didn't know that that would be the case. And on the other, it was really exciting. Up until then, um, when I was attending high school, um, I was an average student. I survived on being able to digest information quickly and repeat it. Basically, the only thing I could do well was write essays at school. And uh, they didn't go so well when I didn't study, but I could whack a few words together. And uh, well, I might tell you a story while I'm at it. Um, it was... <laughs> It actually saved my life being able to write essays. But when I was uh, when I started to do Year Twelve, I you had in those days you had five subjects, and uh, uh, you know you'd get a mark out of a hundred out of each of them. And uh, one of the subjects that I chose inexplicably was economics. And after I'd done a few weeks of economics, I thought to myself, "Well, uh, I am going to fail this miserably." and may do myself an injury at the same time. It was just, I could not get my head around it. I just couldn't. There was nothing. So 
I was looking for an exit plan pretty quick after six weeks of year 12, knowing that my very past relied on this. And um, I uh, discovered that in the same stream, remember those streams, uh, was Australian history, which was all about essays, uh, as well as the fact that uh, this girl that I really liked was also doing Australian history. So the, 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 the yeses were mounting as to get out of economics. So I, I just said, look, I'm sorry, I'm out. I ended up getting 86 out of 100 for Australian history, past year 12 by 20 points, which if you know out of 500 is not much, and uh, got the pass mark for English, past American history, and I think I failed geography and mass 1S, but somehow I got through year 12 because I could write. And at that time, when I was coming to the end of year 12, you know, you'd go to career counselling and they'd give you, you know, you remember the careers book? They still got that, you know, and you'd read through that. And, man, I'm looking at these jobs and I'm thinking, I, I don't want to go to university. I can't hardly study. I can write. And I'm just thinking to myself, what can you do to write to get an income? You know, like, where, where do you go? And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to write a novel. That, that might backfire. And I thought, well, I could become a journalist and I get to write every day and I could probably survive off that. That's literally the process that I went through. And sure enough, um, got to... A, well, got a job as a copy boy at the news newspaper. Uh, after a year, got a cadetship and, and the rest is history. I worked in the media for 20 years, surviving off being able to talk and write. <laughs> Praise the Lord. However, when I got to the Christian Family Centre, the idea that those skills might have been given to me by God for more than feeding my mouth and that they might be used in the body of Christ, this was revolutionary stuff. And I just, it started to really, not only get my attention, but my heart really started to churn at the idea that those things might come together and that God might call me to serve the church community in that way. And I'll really, if anything else happens today, I really trust and believe that there are going to be people here today who haven't yet started thinking about the gifts that they've been given, whether they're just straightforward skills or whether they're spiritual gifts, whatever they might be, who are not just for themselves, who are not just for earning an income, that aren't just for your entertainment or to boost your self-ego and your reputation, but in fact have been given to you to offer up to others. And I trust that firstly... Maybe you think about that or you accept that or you, you discover that, but in some way you leave this service encouraged because our unity as a body is magnified, if you like, or expanded or even exists, not only as we relate to each other in love, but also as we willingly say, here, take this, use that, I'm available, I'm willing and ready, I've been given this by God, here's this skill. And I know that there are many of you uh, who have already done that, who have made the same discovery that I have and, and, and have surrendered that. I know also that there are many gifts within our community that as yet are untapped, untouched, maybe even unthought of, unknown, but are ready to be offered up and, and given to the body. So I want to encourage you that and excite you about that this morning. I want to give thanks for those that are doing it, but those also that are ready and willing. 
and ready to go with it in Jesus' name. So this is what we're talking about. Now, last week we looked at the Ephesians 4 passage, verses 1 to 6, when Paul makes this call to the body to behave in a certain way towards each other. But interestingly, that immediately after that, he heads off down this path of talking about the gifts that have been given. So that's why we would propose today that unity is not just about patting each other on the back and saying, you know, I'm really friends with you, but it also has a practical explanation and outcome that results in us sharing our gifts with each other, with the community, and even, may I say, with the world as we step forward in Jesus' name in that way. So coming out of that passage, the Apostle Paul writes, however, he, that's Jesus, has given each one of us, not indiscriminately but in different ways, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives of vanquished foes and gave gifts to his people. Now, for those of you who know a little bit about uh, warfare in ancient times, conquering theology, one of the things that a conquering king would do uh, when he overcame his enemies would to, to shower gifts with the people, whether they were captured in war or from his banquet. It was an act of celebration. And so we say in Jesus dying and then being raised from the dead... The Bible tells us that he has victory over our spiritual enemies, that he has victory over evil in the world, not against flesh and blood, but against evil and over the evil and the sin in our lives. So as Jesus takes his rightful place on the throne to his people, he showers gifts. He, he, he sort of throws out into this community gifts to all of us. And you might be thinking, well, what does mine look like? Is it frankincense and myrrh? You know, is there any gold in there? You know, well, you know, I don't know, maybe you've got some gold. Good for you. It's good inflation hedge. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's more in the sense of the fact that each of us, as a person, has something to offer other people. Now, you could be a person that thinks, I've never heard that said about me. I'm not a person with a gift I don't think of myself as gifted. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure you're right, Pastor. I don't, wouldn't, couldn't even think what that is. But it's actually on the authority of the Scriptures, I'm speaking it over you today, that you have that gift, that you have something to offer. So Jesus showers gifts as he comes to his victorious place, ascended on the throne, and you've got one to offer up to others. It then goes on to say, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world. Jesus stood among us as one of us. And the same one who descended is the same one who ascended higher to all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Jesus came to earth. That's the incarnation. He died for our sins. That's the atonement. He smashed Satan's authority. That's the resurrection. And he graced us with ministry gifts in his ascension, in his rise as king in heaven. He's given us ministry gifts to share with each other. And then the Apostle Paul goes into the famous passage where he starts to unpack and describe some of these gifts. Now, 
in our theology, we would actually say this is not an exhaustive list, but and I'm going to show you all of the, the list today. But he starts off by saying, uh, firstly, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. So he lists off these five for the purpose of preparing the perfecting, the full equipping of God's people for works of service or ministry so that the body of Christ might be built up. It's one of the great statements that these five ascension gifts, that's often what they're referred to, are not for the purpose of people rising to positions of power or authority or feeling very excited about themselves when they might identify one of those gifts, but so that they might take that gift and serve the body of Christ. What for? For the purpose of the body of Christ discovering its gift and then offering it for the building up and the equipping of God's body. So a pastor, a teacher, evangelist, apostle, prophet, they are simply an equipper of the people of God. They are a facilitator of body-wide ministry. The discovery of your gift is their priority as they serve the church and its community. So we'll talk a little bit more about um, what that those gifts actually look like when we get to the list in a little bit time. But I want you to all to grasp a few, a few things as we move through this, as we reflect on that passage. Firstly, we have all been given a gift by Jesus to minister and serve others. You know, if I could leave that up there and just let it go in and have the Holy Spirit affirm it, uh, I, I would love to do that. It's just one of those statements that we need to absorb and accept. Now, you might, you might say, well, I think, you know, I've got a gift and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm using it. And that's great. If you've gone through that process, that's good. Sometimes, you know, we're talking about a gift that, that is maybe more practical and they are important gifts that we need in the body of Christ. But sometimes there's a gift of a greater fruitfulness or a greater dimension lying within us that we haven't yet released, that we haven't yet allowed to come out. You might not think of yourself as an apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher or evangelist, but there's got to be more than one in our church, there's a multitude of them. There's a multitude of them. And I, I'd, I'd really love people to reflect on whether that's their calling, that's their offering, one of those. It says in 1 Peter 4 that each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The Apostle Paul does not say, if you have a gift. He's, he's moved on beyond that. He's saying you have got a gift, whatever you have, offer it up to the service of others. Why? As a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. The fact that you are good at something is a gift of God into your life. You might be thinking, well, I've never thought of it that way. I just use my gift to earn money or, you know, to be famous or whatever it is. But you have a gift to offer back to others. So in one sense... None of us have uh, the right, if you like, to withhold that. We, we can't keep that to ourselves. We can't say, no, my gifts are for me and my survival, but in fact your gifts are for offering back to the body. In Romans 12, it's much more straightforward. He again says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. The fact that you're good at something 
or a call to do something is a sign of God's love for you and his generosity towards you. And there's no doubt or conversation or debate about whether it's true. Paul just says it is. Offer it back to others. So we have ways of doing that. You've heard of the shape course that some people have done here. Many different you know, inventories of discovering that. But there are other ways, and, some t- and I'm going to give you a strategy for that in just a moment. The second point I want to make, however, is that we all have at least one of the following ministry gifts. Now, this is a list that's been compiled from those four different passages in the Scriptures. Uh, and as I said earlier, it's almost certain that this is not an exhaustive list, but having these gifts been mentioned for the encouragement and the body of Christ, well, let's put the list up there and ask you to start looking about it. Now, I haven't got time to go through a long explanation of each of these gifts, but I can tell you that in uh, Pastor Bill's book, he's got a, at least a page on each of them that explains what they are and how they would be used for the body of Christ. So when he's here next week with his book, uh, standing somewhere getting ready to sell it to you, grab it. Grab it because that will allow you more time and space and information that's available in this sermon to read through those and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. Because if God has placed one of these within you in order to offer back to the body, I can tell you that when you read about it and think about it and pray about it, then the Holy Spirit cannot help but begin to come alive in you and you can almost do nothing about trying to offer that, about stopping yourself offering that gift back up to others. I remember uh, sitting at the Christian Family Centre at Seton and we had not been there long. It was the year that uh, Pastor Dave and Narina and a group came up here to plant this church and You know, Bill would be speaking and preaching and pouring out himself into the word. And as I'm listening to him, I'm about to get up and start joining him. Because the word of God and the Holy Spirit that's in me is starting to say, I can preach like that. I'm meant to preach like that. And I can't hold it anymore. The apostle, the prophet Isaiah talks about you know, Ezekiel, I think it was, where to, to hold the word in is to, to poison yourself, it's to die, it's, it's burning, it's got to come out. And the spirit was working in me then. Nobody was thinking about me as a preacher. I wasn't, except for the fact the Holy Spirit saying, this is your gift, you are being prepared to offer it back and I am building this within you. And I want to encourage everyone here today the word says, do not quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. Do not, do not push it down or grieve it, but allow that excitement to build in you as you look at that list, as you think about what have I got to offer. And folks, let it come forward in Jesus' name and find that place and release that expression. If there's someone here that's going to preach better and more passionately than me, Praise the Lord, allow it to happen. Let's see that and every other gift that's in here come forward. Because God has given you something to offer back and he is building that momentum with you, within you even now for our church to grow and develop and be fruitful. Those gifts have to be released and have to come forward. 
I probably would identify myself most strongly on that list with the one of teacher. Encourager is another one that's come up over the years uh, as, as something that, that uh, I've loved to do and that has come forward. And even administrator, believe it or not, <laughs> is another one that, that those three have often come up in my list uh, as, I've, as I've done those. So that's just something to look at. So uh, I'm not going to spend any more time on that, but I really do encourage you to get a hold of that book next week, The Church We Can Be, to read through each of those and the explanation and say, how has God called me to express those? So how should you respond to your calling and to your giftedness? Every Christian is called to serve. It's not, it's not something you just apply for and it's a maybe or maybe not. All of us have a mission and a ministry in the world when we say yes to Jesus. Okay, discover develop and deploy your God-given gifts. This is what we're calling on you to do today and we're saying what's the process that you're going to be involved in to do each of those. So I want to unfold today a strategy for doing that. Firstly, have a go and step out. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The Apostle James gives us that explanation and says to us quite clearly, This is the way to go. So folks, if you're sitting there today and you're thinking, well, I might have this gift or I might have that, might have heard Jesus speak, Uh, I might have responded in this way, I may have this, I'm not sure. The fact is it's got to start somewhere. It's got to be expressed. I know when I was first uh, involved in uh, ministry um, at uh, the Seton Christian Family Centre, one of the first things they asked me to do was to interview people on a Sunday night. These were just people in the church mainly who had a story of this or that and had an opportunity to respond. And I remember at the time I was actually quite nervous about doing it. I wasn't sure uh, uh, how I could offer that. But I thought, well, I do interview people in the job that I do. So it's not too bad, not too hard to actually offer that up and to to do that in the first place and, and offer that gift And that was my first experience at ministry on the platform there. And that was where I first uh, experienced the opportunity to, uh, if you like, share some sort of a communication gift in that way. So I had a go and I stepped out and that was the start of that process. So all of you have this encouragement to do that today. All of you have a gift and an opportunity to do that today. And I just want to encourage everyone, if... You might feel, well, look, I think I'm doing this. I'm offering my gift at this time. It seems to be working in that way. Then you are on the track. You're stepping out. But for others, you've got a gift that you haven't yet shared with the rest of the community. You haven't tried it. You've thought, maybe I have, but you need an opportunity to express that and to do that. So that's the starting point that we have today. Have a go and step out. Secondly... Examine your feelings about the ministry gift that you're experimenting with. So that's an opportunity where you step out, you use that, and then you start to assess, well, how's that going? Do I have that excitement that comes when I step out and use my gift? Do I have that sense that, yes, the Holy Spirit is flowing through me at that time, that the Holy Spirit is moving through me at that way, that that is what I am called to do. So that's a process of 
self-reflection and examination. So I encourage you to do that, to step out and have it a go and then to examine your feelings about the ministry gift that you're experimenting with. Thirdly, you analyse your effectiveness. So it's not just about how you feel about it or how it's, how it's happening, but you then look at, well, is it effective? Like people, are people being blessed by this gift? Are they confused by it? Are they, is it not helping them in any sort of a way? So then that's a, another process of the, of the analysation process. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The reason for that scripture there is that God will guide us, that God will direct us, God will work through the process. As you seek to discover a spiritual gift and to offer it, that the Holy Spirit will not abandon you in that process. He will not be absent from that process, but he will work in and through it. And finally, in Proverbs chapter 18, it says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. The point of that scripture is to say that a gift that is given or a gift that you have and is offered up, it makes a pathway through, through your situation. It, it allows the gift to come forward. It, it makes room for itself. There's room for this body here at the Hills Christian Family Centre for your gift to be offered up and to be received. So a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Fourthly, allow adequate time for your gift to develop. The process sometimes takes a while. So we don't want anyone to think, well, you know, I tried this and it might be right, but I'm not quite sure. Perhaps you come up against opposition or struggle or whatever in that process, but you have to allow time uh, for that to develop. And again, I'll put Romans 8 there. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The point is that once this process is underway, the Holy Spirit will work through it. But as you are aware, Jesus has been building his church now for over 2,000 years. Some of these things don't happen overnight. The coming forward of your gift could take decades. It might be years, but you've got to start that process, but not jump off it and allow time for it to be developed. Five, receive confirmation from your leaders. So the point there is, uh, receive feedback from others on whether that gift is, you're on the right track. Uh, you might think that you've got a gift, you might feel excited about that or whatever, uh, but at the end of the day, your gift has to uh, land somewhere. It's got to reap a harvest or a f- draw fruit somewhere. It's got to be received positively by others. I don't know whether you've ever received a gift that you either weren't interested in or you didn't want uh, or uh, that wasn't effective. Uh, So, you know, you might have thrown it out or given it to someone else, I don't know. But the point is that a gift given, that's a good gift, uh, is going to um, uh, be received well by others. So you need that feedback in that process to do that. So we've got those four thing, five things to work on. Have a go and step out. Examine your feelings about the ministry gift you're experimenting with. Analyse your effectiveness. Allow adequate time for your gift to develop and receive confirmation from your leaders.
Friends, I just want to spend a few moments as we wrap up today because we're going to allow an extended period of time for communion and it's really appropriate that we are uh, landing today at this space where we're looking at the life of Jesus and the gift that he offered. Uh, Jesus himself in his life identified uh, at certain times key reasons why that he had been sent to earth, key key reasons why he had come to serve us. Uh, Jesus really uh, was equipped with all the gifts, Uh, all the miracles, all the gifts that we offer up today are found in Christ. But the ultimate gift that Jesus had to give was his life. The ultimate gift that Jesus offered back to all people was the very blood and energy that was within him. And there are times when the service that we are called to as a church uh, is requires sacrifice. The service that we are called to uh, is costly. And so offering up your gift, yes, it does sound exciting. It does sound encouraging. It does sound you know, like something that I hope that we would like to do. But it also is going to require sacrifice. The gifts that I had been given ultimately required me to change uh, what I did with my working week. They started to express themselves in a way that required a shift. And I would like to think that everyone here would be prepared to change something about their circumstances and their life that would allow their gift to come forward in a greater way and to serve our community. When Jesus was near the end of his life and, in fact, when he stood before Pilate, who was interrogating him about who he was and what he was doing and why people were calling for him to be killed, uh, one of the things that he identified, he says, this reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. His teaching, preaching ministry was one of the key reasons that he had come. And Jesus was aware of that and he identified that to Pilate at that time. On another occasion, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That Jesus' mission and ministry involved coming to earth and bringing people to himself, breaking the power of sin in their life. So I just encourage you all today as we reflect on that, that we get ready and be prepared to sacrifice ourselves, as it were, to offer our gifts in a way that might be costly for us, but will be a blessing to many others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Jesus said this, uh, the Apostle Paul said this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave, up the, gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Each of us has the ministry of reconciliation. We're the beneficiaries of it for those of us who've said yes to Jesus, but we're also have a responsibility to then share that ministry of reconciliation with others. So as we come to that point, I just want to ask you all to close your eyes, to bow your heads, and let's pray and just accept and receive that ministry now as we come around the Lord's table. Father, we thank you for the fact 
that you firstly offered your gifts to us through Jesus Christ, that you sent your son in order to offer everything that he had so that others would know about you, would come to accept you and believe in you so that we would be reconciled to you. Father, I thank you for your goodness, grace and mercy. I thank you that you loved us before we loved you. And Lord, I also thank you that when you ascended, that, that when Jesus sat on the throne, that you yourself shed gifts to us. You gave us things, Lord, that sometimes we're not even aware of or maybe we have an inkling, but we're not sure. But we all have something to offer back to you, to offer back to each other. So Lord, just as we pray now, just as we reflect, I want everyone here in this space to think about what the gift that they have might be or to celebrate the one that's been identified, what it is within them that they could offer back. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that there are many gifts in this body already that are being celebrated and shared. But Lord, I also thank you for the gifts that have not yet come to the fore. And Lord, I pray that you speak to each of us at this point in time, that everyone here would be encouraged, that everyone here would be lifted up. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are the great gift giver and the great gift sharer. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I'm also thinking for those people here this morning that haven't yet said yes to you, that haven't yet... uh, received you, that that aren't yet reconciled to the Father. And Lord, I pray that as they are invited today to share in communion, that as they have an opportunity to share in this feast, that they would take a step towards you, that they would receive you in some way, that, that their reconciliation would be complete and that they would then Realize the great gift that they've been given, not only of salvation, but also of calling into ministry. Father, we thank you that you loved us, that you shed your blood for us. And we receive that now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our uh, communion stewards to come to the front, please, and um, uh, grab the items. Uh, I know many of you are familiar with communion and what it's all about, the the bread, the wine, uh, representing Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. I want to make this clear again that this is an invitation uh, to everyone here today who wants to uh, acknowledge Jesus or respond to Jesus or honour him, then everyone's invited to take part in this today. Whether you consider yourself part of this local community or not, this table belongs to Jesus, not to our church. And he's offering himself today. He's inviting everyone to respond to him today. So as the stewards come around and begin to give out these items, I just encourage you all now to receive them, to accept them. And in a few moments' time, we're going to eat together as we worship as well. Now to stand to your feet as we hold these emblems together. Such a simple thing, a piece of biscuit and a little bit of fruit juice. 
But what it represents is so profound. The fact that God himself gave himself to us. That God himself offered his life so that we might share in it with him. So I just want to encourage you now as we close our eyes and just reflect on this to remember what this required, what was necessary for this to happen. Our life together was bought at a great price. It was given to us so that we might share it with others. So I just encourage you now to give thanks in your own way and then when you're ready, just to eat and to drink in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.